0: All right, everybody, welcome to another very special episode of the Superhouse Podcast. This is Andrew, as always, and this week we have a very special guest. It's my other boss, Mike Ezell. Mike is second in command at Fractured Effects, and before that he worked on Apocalypto, Dark Planet, Cabin Fever 2, 300 Part 2, Drag Me to Hell, Surrogates, The Lazarus Effect, and Alien vs. Predator, Requiem, just to name a few. I'm trying to get the ones that you were a mold maker on. I don't even remember most of this. (laughs) That was a lot of different shops. And you were a mold maker before, um, right. this is a list of stuff that before you were a coordinator. Yes. Okay, right. we'll talk about the coordinator stuff later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. <clears throat> Maybe you saw that. All right, so um, I kind of want to go in order with you, a yeah, lot more than we did with Justin, actually. <laughs> Maybe your life story a little bit first, if that's okay. Oh, yeah,
1: sure. So you're from Oklahoma originally? Yeah, I grew up in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, when I graduated high school, I went into the Marine Corps, Okay. I spent four years there. I lived in Japan for a year. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I came back out here and met my wife in California. Um, so when I got out of the Marines, we just stayed out here. Okay. And uh, I became a police officer for a few years, 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. And wow. Then, uh, it took me that long to realize what a crappy job it was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not too smart. Can you talk about that on air? <laughs> uh, you know, just I, I think I just got burned out. I got tired of cleaning up other people's crap for a living. And, yeah. you know, I had a friend killed in the line of duty while I was there. Um, so I, I, I think I just finally burned out on it. A lot of people do. Was I that was that even worse? I mean, I don't know about to say worse, but like it was a little bit rougher than
0: even the Marines were?
1: Oh yeah. You really? Know, I, I was in the military police and I mean, you get a lot of crap on a military base, but overall it's nothing like the civilian world. You know, it's when you're, when you're in the police department on a base, there's a lot less crazy activity going on because, you know, uh, I mean, it's on base and everybody's already under, uh, you know, the military code of justice and right. uh, discipline, you know, within units and stuff. So, you still get drunk people being dumb and you still get the occasional like a domestic violence call or something if people live right. on base but you don't have near the crime level that's you know out out in the real world so to speak you were in Pomona yeah Pomona yeah. California yeah that was crazy
0: is that known for as is is, is it live up to the meth name or
1: at, at the time it was really known for um, you know late 89 90 it was a lot of gang problems crack was still like the king of the street then um you were here during was starting the starting to come up right Rodney King riots I was yeah oh, we man. had our own riots in Pomona okay during that time yeah, oh, was yeah. Nuts. you had to handle all that at least yeah. partially we got uh, yeah we got called in off duty everybody um, yeah. got called in for that and uh, so unlike LAPD you know they just sort of cordoned off that whole area and they they caught a lot of flack for kind of just staying out and letting okay. things go down and we tried to sort of coordinate it off and uh, go in there and stop people who are setting dumpster fires and okay and all that crazy stuff uh, yeah that was that was a crazy time <laughs> so you
0: I can imagine um you you're you're like a kid in Oklahoma and were there like movies that you liked growing up that like kind of planted the seed?
1: Uh, No, no. actually. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, I I was a huge movie fan when I was a kid. And um, uh, you know, when I was a kid is how old I am. The stations used to sign off, you know, and there would be one station that would play all night movies and, you know, I I would stay up all night just watching movies and stuff. Um, But after I got up out of police work I wasn't really sure what I was going to do and my wife actually had a friend uh, Tamara Woodard who's a a fabricator in the business and she was working at Stan Winston Studios and she said hey I can get you a job just kind of basically doing grunt work in the in the shop just to sort of you know fill in in between till you figure out what you're gonna do and while I was at Stan Winston's um, a couple of mold makers kind of took me under their wing a uh, guy named Barry Crane. <laughs> I was sitting at a table full of like 19-year-old interns, trimming alien tentacles for uh, War of the Worlds, the so Tom you, Cruise version.
0: You go from the streets of Pomona to doing yeah this to
1: sitting among <laughs> among a bunch of 19-year-old me- you know makeup school hopefuls or something, what yeah. whatever. And we we're trimming. Um, alien tentacles and Barry Crane walked by and and, you know I was 36 years old so I was obviously older than everyone else in the group and he kind of looked at me and he went what the hell are you doing (laughs) I said I'm trimming alien tentacles man he goes yeah fuck that come with me I'm gonna show you how to make molds Uh, so that's that's where I started learning how to make molds I was like okay okay Um, and I just you know I went from there I went to Steve Johnson's edge effects and uh, spectral motion um, that was like one, two, three, my first three jobs in the business um, were at pretty, you know, obviously well-established shops. Um, people in Stan Winston's oh, yeah. would come up. It's a, it's a general thing when you're in a shop and you see somebody new, you kind of ask them, well, so where else have you worked? Yeah. And they would come up and ask me that, and I would go, oh, I I don't know anything about this business. <laughs> so I just, and they would go, what? Yeah. Do you know how long it took me to get into Stan Winston's? I'm like, right. oh, Sorry. Uh, what you, do you want me to say about Your police and,
0: you know, Marine resume probably helped in some way or another. Or I don't think so.
1: I, I think, uh, in fact, when a lot of people found out what I used to do, they were kind of like, oh, uh, like they didn't know how to act or, <laughs> um, you know. Weed's not legal yet, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, people didn't really know what to do with that. So, uh, actually, it did me no good whatsoever uh, until it came to the coordinating end. But, okay. Um, yeah, where you know, I had to learn from scratch. I had to just start, you know, uh I went from making whatever it was at the time over 30 dollars an hour as a cop to uh 12 bucks an hour at stands, oh, you know, yeah. and then just slowly work your way back up again uh, through your rates as you work.
0: But you you definitely were like I'm not going back to being a cop. No. No. Okay. No, never. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever okay. else happened, that wasn't it. It's just too much, huh?
1: Yeah. I was all done with that.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, going back for a second. so uh, you went to the Marines when you were 18? Yeah. Yeah, I was 18. And you did four years? Yep.
1: Okay. And you were in Japan for a year of that? Yeah. Okay. Um, from, uh, what was that? I think that was 87 to 88, I think okay uh that i was in and then i came back here and did another i think i had a year and 10 months left on my enlistment okay got out in october of 89 okay so that was uh yeah that was interesting
0: did you have any culture
1: shock did you go off base any oh yeah uh, of course uh we were at a little air station uh in a place called iwakuni and it was like you walk out the front gate and you're in the main what they used to call the ville you know the um Where uh, a bunch of shops and, of course, bars (laughs) outside a military base uh, that tends to spring up, and you know, Japanese people like to get their party on anyway, so there's (laughs) lots plenty of bars and clubs. Work hard, play hard. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did you you
0: you didn't have like any culture shock or anything? You know, it wasn't
1: too bad. I mean, for me, I I was kind of fascinated by their culture anyway. So, right, right. uh, you know, and when you go to a foreign country you got to kind of blend in with their culture is the way I look yeah, at it anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a good uh, outlook. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's their country. And, yeah. and we were briefed, you know, yeah. don't don't screw up off base. Right. You right. Know, if you get put in a Japanese jail, we're not gonna come, we can't. We right. can't come just right. get you out of jail. Right. So don't be stupid, Right. you know. Um, yeah, the Japanese police, they didn't play. They were unarmed at the time. Yeah. I think they may have a few armed officers now, but- They got revolvers. Yeah. They had little collapsible batons at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, you would see their white helmets come bobbing down the street through the crowd. Oh, here come <laughs> yeah. the JPs. We yeah. call the Japanese JPs. police. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they didn't play games, man. Yeah, was, for sure. Well, you know, you, you've been to Japan. You're in their it's, country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's their culture. It's their country. Um, I mean, they were good to people. They know. Yeah. yeah. If you're out in a bar getting drunk and being loud and something... Uh, they're not looking to throw you into jail for that yeah 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 uh, but they will have you you know taken back to base right we, we, when I, I was an MP of course so when I was on duty we drove the van out there more than once okay. to pick up a few okay. marines and airmen and you know people out there kind of screwing up um, but yeah I mean it was it wasn't crazy culture shock it was I thought it was really cool I, I honestly yeah. wish I had been a little older when I went oh ran. yeah because yeah. I you know I, gotcha. I was 19 I was interested in party. yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah
0: exactly I got gotcha. you You were military police, yeah. What what got you into that exactly? I thought you were canine unit or something. I was.
1: um, When I went in, uh, I did really well on my test. It was funny. The the recruiter, you know, I walked in. I had long hair. Yeah. You know, I was a young kid. I was like, hey, I want to join the Marines. And he was like, (laughs) yeah, okay, yeah. He's (laughs) like, (laughs) okay. Um, He goes here. Yeah, go take this test, and we'll talk when you're done. So I came back out with the test, and he was reading the newspaper. And he goes, uh, do well, you got a question? I said, a question? No, I'm done.
0: It was a, like a super simple, you know, okay.
1: junior high level reading comprehension okay. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was, I, you know, I was a pretty gifted student. Um, so I just went, well, you know, I'm done with this. He's just give me that. He puts the answer <laughs> key over it. And he's like, oh, you missed one. He's like, okay. You know, and then he gets all interested in talking to me, um, and he said look um you know of course i was 18 i was like oh what's what's this recon marine thing you know you're all thinking you're going to go high speed low drag right some kind of crazy special op stuff and he said well look here's the truth about recon um, you have to enlist in the infantry and then try to get into recon so mm-hmm. basically you have to go in as a grunt right and he said uh, he said, I I don't know if you want to fine. He said, but I have an opening in the military police. It's a good unit. It's a good job. Um, he said, I, you know, just looking at your tests and stuff. I think you'd enjoy that a little more. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, I didn't know what he meant at the time. Of course. What is military police? right? (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I, you know, I went into the MPs and while I was in MP school, um, I was an honor graduate out of my class. So they let me interview for a canine position. Okay. And that year I got the last bomb dog that was slotted for the Marines. Okay. Cause at the time all branches trained on, uh, Lackland air force base in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. So all the, all the branches were there and the dog slots were sort of assigned to each branch. Okay. And uh, I got a bomb dog slot and I wound up staying there in school for almost a year. So you were MP and then bomb dog? It's the same. Oh, uh, K9 okay. officers are attached. They MP uh, the uh, MOS number for MP used to be fifty eight eleven. Okay. And if you went into K9, it would just be fifty eight twelve. Okay. So you were still, I'd still like when I came to Pendleton, I had my dog in the car, normal marked police car and everything. Okay. Um, so it's it's just like being a civilian cop almost. Okay. Like I said, a little less activity.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay um <clears throat> were you like you were just before kuwait or was there any like major operation while no, you were
1: in it was wasn't a whole lot going on uh you know obviously there's always something going on but we were not in any major conflicts at the time um i think it was a little more laid back okay you uh, you know at that time so yeah by the time i got out in 89 I pretty much just sort of gone from base to base and we didn't deploy to the Middle East or anything like that. Okay. Just before it got a little bit crazier. Yeah.
0: All right. Is this where you got the nickname buzzsaw? (laughs) How what is for the listener? His, your nickname is buzzsaw. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, in the Marines, they called me easy because of the first two letters of my last uh, name. Okay. Um, but I got out and uh, I was on training. And of course, I had already been in the military police. So I knew how to use a baton. We used the, the okay. side handle, the PR 24s, uh, you know, okay. based on a TAMFA. Okay. Yeah. In the yeah. military. So when we came out here, we had what they call straight sticks, a straight baton. Okay. In, in Pomona. And uh, my very first big encounter with that. I was with my training officer and he spotted a guy he knew, um, who was a heroin addict and a burglar walking through a construction site. So he said something to the guy out the window. Okay. I, uh, was a guy's name, Jerry or something. Hey, Jerry. And boom, the guy took off running. Okay. So he's like, ah, we got to, you know, and uh, you know, I'm on <laughs> training. My, my FTO jumps out of the car. Like, ah, here, we got to get this Here we, guy. we go. So we chased him and my FTO was I'm not the fastest guy in the world. Yeah. Far from it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the guy was wearing cowboy boots. Oh, okay. And my FTO was a big power lifter, dude, so okay. he was slower than me. Okay, okay. And uh, gotcha. this guy ran into somebody's house, kicked the door into somebody's house. Holy crap. And he was going to run all the way through, but he he screwed up and ran into a closet. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So he had to turn around and come out. And by the time he came out, I was coming through the front door and he kind of squared up on me with those cowboy boots on and tried to kick me. So I drew my baton and I didn't, I didn't even, I I must've hit him in the lower legs, you know, 10 or 15 times in the span of a couple of seconds. I was all hyped up. Yeah. First time I'd ever been in that. Oh Um, man. So I didn't think anything of it. Um, because you're going like oh dude yeah. insane at yeah. that time thundering yeah. you know and yeah and, and you've got people screaming because you're in their house yeah you yeah, know this guy yeah. just randomly broke yeah. into a house right um so afterward my fto uh, unbeknownst to me had started talking about the incident to other veteran cops and he's like yeah come through the door and there's Ezel in there like a buzzsaw, <laughs> going at him with the baton hitting him you know across the shin and uh, so the dude fell down and we arrested him and everything. But that's where it came from. Then, okay. then I started hearing that. I'm like, what? Rudy, what did you call me? Buzzsaw. Like, buzzsaw. Uh, ta- because I have a really long torso and short legs. They okay. call me the Tasmanian devil. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's what, we, yeah, my email address comes out of that. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was funny.
0: So I knew your Marine and police officer I was like, this buzzsaw name <laughs> has got to be yeah. from this time. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: was from my FTO
0: all right um so you come back from the reins to oklahoma you were never a police officer there no i never went back to oklahoma oh you never did once Nope. Okay. i left
1: and never went back okay copy that yeah. all right i was kind of okay. estranged from i was i had already moved out of my house when i was in high school Oh. so okay. there was really no reason for me to go back so i just stayed out here in california okay you know, when i got out yeah my wife okay. was from Reseda. okay we got married and you know moved down to oceanside and that was it oh oceanside's awesome beautiful i like beautiful oceanside place. i wish
0: i wish the train i wish the like amtrak could come straight from all there. the way yeah yeah
1: that'd be so cool it was nice yeah. and my son's stationed on pendleton now so you know we get to go down there every a while okay so much cooler down all there right. during the summer even though it's hot you still you're right yeah. off the ocean
0: yeah yeah That's really good beginner nice. surfing there too <clears throat>
1: That's what I heard uh yeah. people used to come on Pendleton all the time to the trestles. Trestles yeah. Trestles is not
0: beginner, but it's not super
1: advanced either. Yeah. We would see but them yeah. all the time uh yeah. you know, they would just come and sign in at the gate and Yeah, come yeah, on yeah. Base and go surfing.
0: It's definitely like known for that. Oh, it's cool for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of good spots there. Um So you're you police officer for 14 years in Pomona? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh do you want to talk about any differences between Oklahoma
1: and California? It's just a normal like city versus country. Yeah. And I mean, I, I lived in Lawton, which was a pretty decent sized city. We had three major high schools there. Um, you know, it, it was a pretty big city. It wasn't like a big culture shock for okay. me to go somewhere else. You know, okay. I didn't live in like a tiny little town. With okay. One stoplight. And uh, you I
0: know. did. Did you? Mm-hmm. Until, I was, until I was 13, I lived in a town with literally one traffic light. Oh, About wow. a thousand people. So I, I tell people I'm from Alabama or Georgia or both because I moved to, I went to high school in Georgia, but every time, everything before that was Alabama for me. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's a little weird, uh, weird timing for me. But, but yeah, the time in Alabama was one traffic light. And then Georgia was a little bit more like, we were closer to Atlanta. And so it was like, not a, it was like a just outside the suburbs. Yeah. So you had the
1: city right there. Yeah, 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 a lot closer. Well, lo- oh, I used to spend yeah. um, I used to spend all my summers in uh, West Texas with my grandparents in this okay. little little spot in the desert called Van Horn. Okay, it's like 120 miles east of El Paso. And okay, that's a yeah, that's a tiny, tiny little West Texas town.
0: West Texas is where it gets really country, huh? Yeah, they always and, make that difference.
1: And hot and it's more of a kind of a desert
0: like yeah, environment out yeah, there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, That was different. And, you know, it's a little conservative town. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a different experience. But I I think Lawton was big enough that, you know, it didn't really make a difference to me when I got to bigger towns.
0: Okay. All right. Um, It says on your IMDb that you were key grip in 1980 for something called Hangar 18.
1: That was not me. That's not you. 1980, I was probably in the ninth grade okay see that's the thing about I keep telling people to use Michael on my credits because I think there's another Mike but the rest of it was right there. though it seems yeah, like yeah so, it's, yeah okay. it's weird Maybe is right. kind of weird that way So and the, I don't update my stuff so that all the stuff you see on there was put on there you know some credits else. yeah I don't keep it
0: up so 1979 in the search for historic Jesus is
1: not you <laughs> <laughs> no let's see I was 12 then no <laughs> I thought
0: maybe you got like a super early start and then went into the service no no Wasn't okay me. all right Okay, so let's get let's to the effects stuff finally. Cool. <laughs> okay, so um, you told us how you got into effects pretty much. was via, what, what was the person's name again?
1: Tamara. Tamara Carlson Woodard is a, a really well-known fabricator. Okay. Um, she's, uh, you know, she's made tons of different monster suits. She's done puppeteering. Um, I mean, she was, I, I think she was at stands for a pretty good while. And you know this industry, you hop from place to place. You get laid off, right? Um, But she had a lot of experience, and she's a really good fabricator. Okay, Um, and she was friends with my wife, so she said, "Hey, you know, uh, honestly, I'd never thought about it. I had never thought about getting into this business. Um, So it was just kind of I fell into it by accident."
0: So you left. You left uh, police service, and uh, what police being a police officer, and you had you just had no idea what you're going to do. Nope. Absolutely nothing.
1: I was absolutely done with that. So, okay. And that, you know, that's what happens. I, and, and I, I think it's a smart thing to do. You know, if you feel yourself start going in that direction, just get out of that. Cause right. there's so many cops that, you know, you go down the line, and went up committing suicide for, from PTSD or yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of alcoholism in that business and divorce. Right. And, right. And, right. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I was like I said. I, I guess I wasn't very smart because it took me fourteen years to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, some some people never do, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay.
0: Um, you were a mold maker for three hundred part two. No, you were coordinating. Yeah, I was coordinating then. then. What about Apocalypto?
1: Apocalypto, I was a mold maker, and I came in to see. This is how it kind of works. Um, that was, oh, was Greg Canum's old shop
0: not is it captive audience captive audience that was captive audience nice name
1: um yeah uh, it was a you know it was a cool little shot but greg i think greg was long out of it by then um and someone else was running it i went over there and worked for two weeks and like okay. molded the monkey uh, right and right okay a couple of other things because they needed yeah. extra help um but the weird thing is not long after that i received um a letter from the studio everybody did saying hey we're missing stuff basically and you know oh, I think if I've you have access this. to any of it and i was like oh my god you know and but then i looked at it i realized it was a form letter that went out to everyone and i didn't know squat okay and i was still really new so okay i was just like well i don't know what that is so i'm gonna let those guys worry about it and then it, you know it kind of came out that i i still i don't know the whole thing so i'm not even going to speculate okay but there was some weirdness there the business was sort of taken over and the studio came in and said hey we're kind of taking over assets or something like okay. that. So yeah, that was a weird experience, but you made, you made a monkey for it mainly. Um, I remember molding one of the monkeys. I think they did some puppets, you know, when the monkeys are trying to come down into that pit or something, I forget the scene. Um, they were also making <laughs> those enormous tapir tapir, testicles okay you see them you know they eat it in the them. beginning or yeah, something?
0: yeah 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 i remember that i they like kind of like those. how that open up though like it's kind yeah. of a big joke yeah <laughs> like you think it's going to be kind of a serious historical epic and it, it is mostly but it's like a big you know joke like that in the beginning yeah which was so, pretty cool
1: there was a lot of that i i don't know i think they were working on another show there at the time but you know, again, you know from being here that there's yeah. three, four shows going on at one yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, apocalypto. <laughs> that was my experience with that.
0: Okay. yeah, It's weird. Um, we worked on a Scorsese movie briefly. Yeah. And uh, it was weird because, like, whenever the person was in, it was like... Oh, I, I guess I'm working on a Scorsese movie this hour, and then <laughs> yeah. and then the next hour it's like totally different. And yeah, like, exactly. I haven't changed my environs. It's, you know, it's just like, yeah. but technically, right now I am working on a Scorsese movie. That's right. You know, it was, it was pretty cool feeling. actually, um,
1: that wasn't your first uh, mold making position. Uh, no, you know, so I started at stands, and <laughs> oddly enough, I, uh, you know, I had just come from a serious, like when you're in a management position in a bureaucratic place, like a police department or whatever, it's a different environment. So I came here and right away I see, you know, like supervisors uh, yelling and cursing at people on the Uh, shop floor calling them names. And I was like, my God, what is this place? You know? Yeah. Um, So I kind of got into it with the mold shop supervisor and, and, you know, made it really clear (laughs) that I wasn't going to take that kind of, you know, verbal abuse. Like I I said, I'm not sure, but I don't know much about this business. So I don't know why everyone else has taken that from you, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, the mold shop supervisor from Steve Johnson's edge effects really didn't like the supervisor from the other shop. Okay. So one of his friends called him and said, Hey, there's this new guy here and he he just like got into a big thing with uh, the supervisor over here and told him off and uh, <laughs> I like that, that was that guy. Yeah. So he said, "Have that guy give me a call." <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me a job. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I got my second job because I got into it with a supervisor at my first job. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome actually. Yeah. <laughs> what was that
0: second job then?
1: Uh, man, what were they working on? Surrogates. So no, that was K&B. Um, God, what was that first show at Edge Effects? Dark Planet? No. Drag Me to Hell. Uh, Drag Me to Hell was also K&B. That, oh, was those it? were both at the same time. Alien um, vs. Predator? I don't remember which Steve show that was, but this was unfortunately right before Edge Effects kind of folded up. and. This and, is Steve Johnson, right?
0: Yeah. I've heard so much about this guy. I've never met him. Don't know what he sounds like. Apparently, he's got a higher voice. No. Well, everybody
1: does this. It doesn't sound like him, but everybody yeah. does Steve like this. Yeah, uh-huh. screw you guys, you know. Okay. And they do yeah. the cigarette smoking yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's not that high. Yeah, it's not that high. And, you know, I mean, I got there right at the end of all of that. You know, I wasn't there for the crazy stuff that went on in yeah. the 90s. And Yeah. And, um, Apparently, it was wild. It, that's what I heard. It was pretty wild and... um it just sort of, I think it kind of all spun apart while I was uh, there on one last show. We're working on a show called Unearthed. This kind of a low-budget monster show. Sort of familiar. I feel like I've heard of that. There's a couple of Unearthed. Oh, okay. Uh, one of them, I think, has Savini in it. Okay. And that's not it. Okay. And then uh, this was just some crazy monster show, and um, someone told me, you know, oh hey, like next Friday is probably going to be it for this. Okay, and, and I noticed like the shop was looking really deserted, and I said, well, "What's going on?" I said, ah, I think the shop's going to close down. I was like, "Oh, oh. my god!" Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But that's when um, uh, Christian Beckman and Justin sort of formed Quantum out of the ashes of of uh, Edge. They basically bought okay. out, you know, equipment and some molds and stuff, and that's that's where Quantum was actually kind of born. Okay, all right. Yeah, it was nuts. Uh,
0: <laughs> so you yeah, were there was, even for the formation of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a mold maker then. Um, first big, big show they did was Watchmen. Uh-huh. Right. And, and I right. was a mold maker on Watchmen. Um, yeah, that was, well uh, oh my God. Make, you get
0: a copy of the Watchmen? To, like, this is our storyboard? This is what I heard. Like, he Snyder uh, would put, put I think copies of the Watchmen graphic novel in people's hands. hands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I think they did that, like with Justin and Christian, of course. The rest of us, you know, when you're on a shop floor, you don't see that stuff. Right, right, right. Um, so uh, we had to make those big suits, and that was nuts. Casting up, they would sculpt the, the suit form. Yeah. Then we would mold that, and we would cast up a 1630 urethane copy of the suit. Okay. And then the body shop guys would polish that thing until it looked like a mirror. Okay. I mean, okay. those things were amazing. And then we would do a hero mold. Okay. Um. And then that's what makes the suits look so shiny or you know, okay. super smooth and metallic when you paint them. Um. Man, that was that was a learning experience because I, I had never really worked big. on it. Yeah, I had never worked on a big costume show like that before. I mean, I worked at Spectral Motion, but yeah. But not in you know like having hands on the pieces like right. that. That was my first experience. You know, going through the superhero suit thing. Right. This is just the beginnings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy crazy process
0: did you feel like you picked it up well when you were doing this because it was a totally new skill set right i
1: did okay i mean um i I like working with my hands so mold making was kind of cool i there are some guys like you know rob freitas yeah um who can just think in in the negative (laughs) like you know they see the mold in their head (laughs) yeah and i am not good with that okay i know the process i know how to make a good mold it's just gonna you know Obviously, it's going to take you a little longer than it takes Rob or, or you right. know, some of these experienced mold makers out there. Right. Um, so, you know, it took a while and it took a while to kind of realize what this stuff was for and how each step of the process can really impact what comes next. Okay. If you screw up a mold, uh, you know, and, it, and you've got a little damage in the piece, that means somebody like Steve Kuzla has to come in during the seaming process right. and fix it, right. hopefully, Right, right, right. Um, so that, you know, the learning curve there as, as I started to learn more and more about how important each step was. Right. Um, I, I think that really helped me later on, you know, as a coordinator to understand, oh, right. hey, right, I can't, right, you know, right. we can't rush the mold part. We right. can't rush this part or that part because, you know, right. if somebody makes a mistake, then it just screws us every other step down the line. Right. So that, that was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting learning curve.
0: What was the last thing you were your mold maker on?
1: Before you became a Let's see. coordinator, I was working at uh, Tinsley Studios. I think we did, what did we do? The first season of American Horror Story, um, Riddick. Okay. The last Riddick movie where we okay. stranded on the planet with all the creatures. Okay. Um, we did the the creature and a couple other things. Um, I think Adrian Moreau did the bodies and stuff for it, if I remember correctly. So that was, it was one of the shows over at Tinsley's. Um, did quite a few shows as usual. There were a few things running through there, um, but then while I was there, um, I got a call from Justin, and he said, "Hey, I'm a but, you know, he had already established fractured and done a couple of the James Wan shows. Like, okay, out of okay. his garage, you know. Yeah, and then he had that little place in Pasadena. Heard about these these days. Yeah, yeah. And so the the, the 300 sequel was like the first big show where he was going to need a lot of space and a lot of people. Right, right, Um, right. So I came back over here and uh, started coordinating for him on the 300 sequel and just been here ever since. Do you like that more than mold making? I think everybody likes things more than mold making. (laughs) 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 You know, you're grinding fiberglass and you're using all these urethanes and different things and, and the resin for the molds. You know, I always tell guys, use your safety equipment. Don't let some old macho dude say, ah, you don't need that respirator or whatever. I
0: mean, in my case, specifically my case, I'm not in front of it a lot Mm -hmm. because I'm the photographer. Right. But even I don't even want to be around it that much. And I know I might be thinking about this too much, but I haven't had kids yet
1: yeah oh you yeah. know what i mean oh no, yeah, yeah
0: maybe there's no science to showing that it does anything anyway but just on the safe side i mean it's no, a lot, it lot of does. A lot crazy of those chemicals here yeah
1: a lot of those things will go to your reproductive system yeah yeah right uh, so you know uh use your safety equipment man put yeah. the gloves on put the respirator on use your glasses because there's a lot of hazardous materials you know right. in this business right. in in a lot of businesses that make stuff like this so yeah um I mean, I I never minded it. You just throw on a suit and go in there and grind. It doesn't bother me. But yeah. You were a full Tyvek guy like uh, Alan? Yeah. You got (laughs) to put your suit on if you're going to go grind. Yeah. Um, I found out that way, the hard way, because uh, I think I put on, oh, I was at uh, Jose's shop, Ironhead. Yeah. And he didn't like a lot of the the traditional resin stuff because that stuff's, you know, it stinks something powerful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something so we fierce. were experimenting with the <clears> the UV resin that you roll out in the sunlight. Okay. And it starts to kick off. So um, I made a mold out of the UV resin, brought it in, grinded, did, did all my stuff, and I was just wearing oh, my normal clothes. I've heard
0: about this. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And then I was driving home and all of a sudden, like, my eyes started watering and I was like, what the hell? You know, what's wrong with me? I was oh, driving man. into the sun and I looked down and I had all that little crystalline stuff on my shirt. And the sunlight hitting it was like kicking oh, it off a little more or something because I started getting few I had to take my shirt off while I was driving. So I was like, <laughs> You okay. had to be that guy. Okay, none yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. we're <laughs> yeah, not yeah, gonna yeah, do yeah, that yeah. again.
0: That's the other thing too. A lot of these techniques are still like like that was probably totally new or yep. You're well, you one, know, one of the first yeah. to do it, right? It's it, and when I was At the at Stan, beginning stages. Yeah. And when I was at yeah. Stan
1: Winston's, uh, syntactic molds were like a big, ooh, ooh, we're going to make a right. syntactic mold. It's kind of a secret process, and it was brought over from aerospace. And now everybody does it. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I started learning there. and uh, But all, all those resins and, and the different things that you use and the fiberglass and all that stuff, yeah, it's a dirty kind of uh <laughs> I don't want to call it a thankless job because it's 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 incredibly important and I do think people recognize it um, but sometimes people don't sometimes people don't understand how important the mold making step is that informs everything else that comes after it I think so, well most people
0: especially uh, well I mean the way I was I mean I could I knew sculpting and painting was part of it yeah Because you see that a lot on like the specials and stuff. But mole making is honestly... It's not exciting to to show. Yeah, It's not exciting enough to show. People don't... You won't get it immediately. Yep. You need like an explanation. So like I feel like...
1: Yeah, they're they're just pretty much thankless. Yeah. And when you see that, you know, a big clay blanket laid over something with the keys on it. With the strips of clay that are keys... You first look at that, you're like, what the hell is that? Yeah, It's a piece of clay with a bunch of lines on it. Right, You don't understand right. that that's the negative of the jacket. And right, you know, you're right, going to pour right. silicone in there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is really interesting. Since you started, I
0: actually, no, before that, how would you meet Justin, the boss of Fractured Effects? The boss.
1: Uh, I met him really at uh, um, Quantum. I think I probably bumped into him a couple times I'm trying to remember if I had before that, but at quantum, that's where I really got to know him. And, uh, I think early on a lot of people weren't aware that he was a partner in the shop. They thought maybe he was just the art director or something. <laughs> right. You know? Right. 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 Um, uh, but the more I got to know him and, uh, see the way that, you know, he, he really cared about the people who were working there. Um, and, you know, I'd worked at a couple of shops where that wasn't the case. Okay. <laughs> I worked at other yeah. shops where people were great. I mean, yeah. I, I had a fantastic time at like Spectrum Motion, for instance. Okay. Um, but I did, you know, I got to know him there and they gave me a chance to coordinate shows there for the first time. Okay. And that kind of fed into the old training that I had, not necessarily as police work, but the management in that goes into it dealing with people right right dealing with people that must be like getting everyone yeah. grouped together and going yeah. towards the same goal yeah, yeah yeah that kind of training you know they give everyone that training at some point like in the military and, and on a police department because they don't know who's going to stick around for 30 years and run the joint oh right later so okay. they kind of train a large group of people ah uh, that's so, interesting yeah so I, okay. I had some pretty decent experience with that and uh i remember talking to him back then uh Christian Beckman, the other partner in quantum, I, he said, you know, is there anything else you want to do besides mold making? Cause everyone always like tries to transition into other jobs and learn new things. Oh, right. 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 And I said, look, I, I don't paint or sculpt. I, I don't have <laughs> those abilities. So <laughs> right. Uh, uh, There's a guy named Fernando Favila who was the the coordinator. And I said, I'd like to do a job like Fernando's. I, I think I could handle that. And he said, uh, ooh, are you sure? That's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." Think about where I just came from. And he's like, right? "Oh yeah, never mind." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Filling out right, right, crap and right, right. triplicate. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of paperwork in this business comparatively. He was okay. talking about writing out budgets and stuff. Okay, yeah. But once yeah, you get yeah. through that, right, it's not a paper-heavy job. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. So, it must have felt like a watered down in some way. I mean, dealing with like stereotypically anyway, the the egos of some, certain oh, yeah. peoples involved in this industry, but you yeah. were dealing with probably meth addicts and all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit yeah. in yeah. the other jobs. So, so you, it's still, it's it's just my, probably different level. It's probably like, oh yeah, I can handle this shit, right? Yeah, and it's, you This know, is nothing compared to where I right. was.
1: And you just gotta, I had to realize, you know, I'm, I'm. Not dealing with a platoon of Marines here. I'm not uh-huh. dealing with a bunch of cops. So you yeah. kind of, I'm dealing with a bunch right. of artists. And if you go out right. there and yell at them, they're going to shut down. Right. You know, because right. they're they're not in that same emotional mindset. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They're not expecting someone to come out and jump in their ass. Right. Um, even if they need it, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which right. sometimes right. they do. Right. 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 Um, but I, you know, and I, I think I did okay. I don't. I don't really think anyone has ever, uh, not liked working for me, you know, it's been, fractures fucking awesome, man. We try to treat people well, as long as you're doing your job, I don't need to get in your business. I don't need to stand over your shoulder. You're a up. You've quoted me a rate. You've quoted me some experience that you have for doing this job. So I'm going to let you do it. Right. You know, and if it comes to my attention that you're not living up to that, then then we'll deal with it. Right. Uh, But otherwise, yeah, we try to, you know, hire really competent artists and let them do their job. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the best way in an, in an environment full of artists, you know, yeah. most of the time you just sort of have to pull back the artists from arguing with each other. Oh, right. Like, right, right, oh, right. I want right, to do it right. that way. No, I want to yeah. do it that way. Right. 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 Yeah.
0: You know, I get it, but artists want freedom. Well, everybody does. Everybody but does. Wants but artistic freedom. Yeah,
1: Artists, you know, it, I think <clears throat> it's tough for the artists in this business because you're handed a design Yeah. and you know, you've been in this long enough, it, it changes from day to day or, or the director comes back three weeks after we've started and says, Oh man, you know, I really want to, you know, take another look at this. Right. Uh, So I think that's tough on some of the sculptors because they're, they're doing someone else's artwork and, and recreating it. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I experienced early on, you know, there were a few people who kind of want to do their own thing and you have to express to them, you know, this, this is not your thing. I appreciate it. Yeah. But this is not your project. Right. It doesn't matter whether or not we like the design. You right. know, as an artist, right, it right, doesn't. Right. Your thoughts on the design don't matter because someone else chose it. Someone else hired us. Right. We hired you. It's right. commercial art. Okay. You know, for lack of a better way, I look at it, it's commercial art. So you have to. Yeah, it is. You Have for to make sure. the client happy. For sure. Movies and are some of the most commercial
0: art. Oh yeah, it's probably yeah. the most. Actually, graphic design. If I remember hearing this, graphic design is probably the most commercial but sure. movies can't be too
1: far behind. No, because it's, it's all, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's us, there's the set decoration people. There are the people who build all the little moving devices on, you know, you're putting all this artwork into this one big thing. Yeah. That yeah. is hopefully going to make a lot of money on the yeah. other end, you know, for them. Right.
0: <laughs> I mean, in the case of superhero stuff too, that's popular <sighs> lately. It's like, if you deviate too much from that stuff, you're going to have a bunch of fans going crazy over it. Like oh, yeah. it has to look like the source material, yeah. even like, it was totally CG, but like the Sonic movie recently, like they had that gotcha. almost done, and they redid the redid the look of the main character. Yeah, because you know? like everyone hated it. The backlash yeah. of the yeah. fans. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's the state that we're living in right now.
1: Yep, yeah, pretty much. Um,
0: did you have like a favorite movie that you worked on?
1: Oh man, I don't even know. I mean, uh, I, I do. I we had a lot of fun on Sucker Punch. That okay. was one of the last things I worked on at Quantum, last thing that Justin worked on at Quantum. Um, that was the one time that I actually went to set. Okay. They needed an on-set coordinator to track okay. all the, man, we had orcs and, gotcha. uh, you know, all the demon German soldiers. And we had so much stuff coming in and out of there that uh, Justin went up there and kind of ran the makeup End of things, and I would just you know basically coordinate the shipments and okay make sure we had all the stuff there on time. Right, right, right. Um, cleaning up, you know, make sure the, the all the, were the makeup sanitized. pieces
0: on set. Yeah, that can get lost in yeah the, in the fray of the exact shooting day.
1: Logging yeah. in what's coming in and all that, but um, most of the time you don't do that. Most okay. of the time you are not going to see that on set if you are not. You know, an artist who's actually working on something—you're—that's not going to happen. Right, right, right. But that was cool. It was in Vancouver. Vancouver is beautiful. It's okay. a gorgeous place to be. Um, the shoot was fun. The sets were unbelievable. Uh, Zach's crew is always super cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know what yeah. it is. He just—he yeah. surrounds himself with good people. Right. You right. know, uh, we've had experiences on some shows where. You know, it's positive, it's negative, um, but it was all positive working with those guys. He just surrounded himself with great ADs. Okay. You know, even the PAs. I mean, everybody on that show seemed to be really cool, really in line with what Zach was doing. Right. And we worked together. I thought we worked together really well. There wasn't a lot of crazy arguing going on and all that. The stunt dudes that
0: we've met through here for Snyder's stuff, they're pretty much ride or die for Snyder. Oh, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. they got some loyalty going yeah. on. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's been doing
1: yeah. so many uh, action-oriented films for so long, and he's had this kind of same group of right. guys. Um, and, they, yeah, I mean, that was really cool, too. And getting to see them work out the scenes. Right. Um, and they had a, a, for the dragon sequence in uh, Sucker Punch, they had a big set, uh, like a partial gate, and then, you know, it was, it was complete blue screen or green screen all the way around and they had this huge stack of mats that sort of went up like a pyramid right up to the top and uh, I, I remember zach getting up there and flipping off of it and landing on the things that and you know the he stunt, stunt yeah, yeah. the stunt <laughs> coordinator's like oh geez <laughs> don't do that i think he does like
0: push-ups and stuff on set oh I yeah we did flips well he that.
1: had um he had uh the guys who do the navy seal training and okay the, jim you know, jones the 300 training yeah yeah program yeah. they called it at the yeah. time so he had those guys on set, and they would work with uh, the the stunt guys and the actresses. The actresses okay. would come in and work out. Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that is cool. Uh, not the, the, the name is Jim Jones, I
1: think. G-Y-M. Um, well, they were – yeah, yeah, the trainers yeah. are. And at the time, I think the stunt group was still called 8711. Um, but I think it's something different now. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't think those guys are still with the same group. But I, I do remember – Like, you know, sometimes uh, this show business, show business has a lot of stories about directors going, ah, whatever, you know, get me a new stunt man. Right, right. um, uh, Matt Rigetti came rolling down the stairs in his orc outfit and, you know, I mean, he sold it. He rolled down these stairs and he hit the bottom and his head like went over the end, like his neck cranked back and he just laid there. It's like, dude, are you okay, uh, man? Yeah, Zach went, all right, cut. That's it. That's it. No more. <laughs> okay. All right, good. <laughs> We're done. No, no, good. no. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. he watches out for his guys. Okay, that's good. Yeah. He's he's they they really like him. It's it's well, from what and, I gather. And that's why. Yeah. You know, he yeah. cares. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like, all right, that's it. That looked a little too right. crazy. No more. Yeah. You know. So Nick. I think that's one of the reasons, you know, they love him so much is because he, you know, he cares. He gets them the proper training and the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important moving
0: close to the end here but uh you're also a writer yeah
1: yeah you have a
0: did you have a book published
1: uh well that was published through kindle direct um but i've had um a bunch of sci-fi short stories accepted into anthologies and okay things like that um i was in an anthology called fantasy for good and i saw the listing for it and sent them a story they sent me back and they said "Hey." yeah we love your story we're going to put it in here and i just happened to look like a little further into the project since he accepted me and they were doing reprints by like george R. R. martin and piers anthony okay and i was like oh god hold on a second let me uh let me take another look at that story <laughs> let me okay. do another pass another, on that yeah, another no draft um, maybe so that but that was kind of cool um and i've had a few other short stories and um like Orson Scott Card's Intergalactic Medicine Show. Okay. I had a story called Bare Knuckle Magic in there that was pretty cool. It's like a combination of MMA fighting and black magic. (laughs) Um, So that was... Was this made into into a show or anything? No. Okay. I haven't... uh, It's all, you know, like long-form fiction. I've written a few screenplays. I think, like, everyone in California is required to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have to... You know, I won some money through Amazon Studios for a werewolf project. (laughs) Um, Okay. Won 20 grand through... The first year that Amazon Studios had that contest. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, Hasn't been made. No, no. So, so many projects got picked up during that time. That initial Amazon Studio thing. Yeah. They hadn't even really, like, it it was really new. Not like it is now. Like, Amazon and uh, Netflix and all these streaming services are just cranking out shows. Yeah. They were just starting to get into it. So, I, I don't even know if they were really sure what they wanted. They just had so many projects, of course. A lot of money to burn. You put Yeah, you put that out on the internet. Yeah. Oh my God, you're going to get inundated with projects. Right. So, right. there was plenty of stuff up there for them to choose from. A friend of mine won twice, won forty grand. Okay, it was, it was wow. like twenty grand a month. Wow, uh, I think that they were doing at one point. They this were,
0: was a full feature. Your werewolf, movie. yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, it was called Pack Behavior. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean that was pretty cool, but. I kind of like the freedom of long form fiction there's, more than screenplays. Yeah, there's no one telling you this is cool, but can we change the lead to a man uh, from uh, a woman? And okay, you know, yeah, I, And right. I have had that on screenplays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really cool. Can we make the lead a man? Well, then you, yeah. Let a me just go, a woman. Yeah, let me just go. Uh, hunt, uh, you know, find, replace on Word. Yeah. And, and just <laughs> change it from you know Andrea to Andrew. No, right, You know right, it doesn't right, right. work like that. Right. Um, so that's, you know, long form fiction, you build your world. You you know, when you get a story accepted, you'll work with an editor a little bit, but they're more concerned about word count or maybe cleaning up an area where you repeated some, you know, right. but they're not trying to change your story. Okay. It's not a producer who's right. trying to... A lot to, more freedom. Yeah, yeah, a lot more freedom. Uh, so that's, you know, I have fun. I'm still doing that.
0: What authors or books uh, got you into
1: writing? Oh, man. Well, I started writing when I was a little kid because the school system I went through emphasized creative writing as English in an English class. We were constantly writing little short stories, one or two pages. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I read my eighth grade English teacher gave me The Stand by Stephen King. Okay. And that just, you know, blew me away. Uh, That was crazy. And then when I got into high school as a sophomore, I stumbled across uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> and that's, you know, you look at that as a writer and you just go, oh, God, I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to be that good. Guy. That guy's amazing. Um, yeah, his his language, everything and, and cyberpunk, mm-hmm. you know, that that genre just, just that just blew me away. OK, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably why I write so much science fiction fantasy. OK, because uh, I, I, I really loved it growing up. That's there's some connection with that and. In effects work oh yeah least, definitely you know? i mean that's you know everyone here is a comic book fan a right. sci-fi fantasy fan horror gaming i mean uh, that's that's this industry right you know right, i, right, I right. almost felt like i was like oh god man i feel like a fraud i don't these, these dudes are like you know they know who wrote the music for this movie right right the, right, yeah. right right i feel like that at times when it becomes like a
0: big horror yeah thing because that's Obviously, horror is like the core of this particular industry. All those, a lot of it, yeah. Like at least the history of it, right? Like yeah. Exorcist and before that. And oh all yeah. That. Like really, I think that's the core of this industry of yeah. of the f- special effects makeup. Yeah. But there's obviously fantasy, and lately, most lately, most recently, superhero stuff. A lot of superhero stuff. Yeah. For me, I grew up mainly liking video games, and so like a lot of times I get like the Mortal Kombat feel in my head yeah. personally. Like, cause that's my, that was like my horror growing up was, I did watch horror movies, but the main thing in my, in my life that involved a lot of blood and crazy characters was Mortal Mortal Kombat. Kombat, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't watch, horror's never really been my thing and it's odd because I'm such a Stephen King fan, but Uh I haven't read all his stuff either because I'm just not that big a horror fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean when I got into this and people were talking about all these obscure horror films yeah, and you know, yeah. there were people who were into these old Italian horror films. I've never heard of. Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, that was interesting sort of getting into that culture where everyone is so into that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people wanted to hear like, what's the grossest thing you ever saw, you know, when you were a cop? And and I'm just like, I, I don't oh, think God, you, you understand the horror of actually seeing a real person decapitated versus these things you're working on for a movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's horrific. It's not, yeah. you know, I, I I really don't talk about it that much unless somebody asks me a question. It's um, true, true, true horror, that stuff. Yeah, it is truly true horrific. Horror. Yeah, it is horrific, and it's not anything yeah. like you know seeing this stuff here so these young dudes are like oh yeah look at that you know his eye yeah. popped out and yeah yeah and all yeah. this other stuff you're like uh yeah <laughs> I, I, I get your fascination with it but yeah it's horrible in real life yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. terrible yeah i can imagine yeah yeah but you're right that's uh, uh a lot of the horror movie stuff is where a lot of this is based and you yeah. know gore gags everybody has yeah. a story about some crazy gore gag they had to make and yeah 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 make it work on set for a low budget movie or something it's there's a lot of that um but yeah you're right it's kind of moving into a different world now fantasy's yeah. getting bigger
0: too i mean we had lord of the rings but like when i grew up in the 90s like there was like almost no fantasy not, yeah. not until lord of the rings came out and then yeah that and of course superheroes huge people were trying that for years and didn't really hit until iron man yeah, 1 and you know? then like, uh, we had dark knight and everything but
1: I, I think that was i think up until that time to me when i look back at those older movies it's like no one took it seriously you yeah, know it was yeah, always yeah. kind of campy yeah. a little silly a little over yeah. the top and then you know like you hit stuff like the dark knight or whatever yeah, uh, yeah. or even watchmen yeah, Watchmen yeah. was kind of dark, and it did kind and, of set and, the stage. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't a joke. It wasn't right. a crazy Batman suit with nipples on it. Right, <laughs> it right, was, right. right. You know, I mean, the suits were still crazy, and it, it was, you know. But I was like, oh my god, like a full-on sex scene in a superhero movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, who who does that? Yeah, well, Zach does that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they've. I, I think it's better since it's gotten a little more grounded in. You know, seriousness a right. little more real, right. but but it's still funny. You know, like Thor, you and know, Ragnarok. Ragnarok and yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. fun. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I think it's changed for the better. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. Something okay. else will come along, and something will t- change everything. Yeah. more than likely. And Disney yeah. owns everything now. So the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you want to talk about that one. <laughs> um, so you did not write a Greek movie called
1: Raiders of the Damned. I did. You did. Yeah. Okay. I thought that. Okay. The most dog oh guy. <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. Um, I got hooked into a guy from Colorado, and uh, I wrote a short for him. He had done some stop motion stuff, and I forget. I think we met through a friend of mine who was a writer, and so I said, okay, well, you know, I wrote this little short film for him based on dolls that are in cases, and you know, they come alive, and it's this crazy little short film. So he came back to me and he said, man, we really love this. In fact, we love it so much. Um, and we've been talking about how much it would cost to make it and everything. We decided, screw it, we're just gonna make a feature. So could I get you to write a zombie movie for me? But he said, I don't want them to be arg zombies. Okay. I, you know, I, I have this different idea. So I was like, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> and I knew it was low budget. Um, usually he, if it has zombie in it, yeah, it's and he was website. doing it out of pocket. Um, so he, I hooked him into a casting director out here okay. that I knew, and he actually, uh, got, uh, Richard Grigo to be in it. Okay. Um, but then he would come back like, uh, because we were trying to save, I forget why we went in this direction we we're trying to save money on bullet hits and stuff he just couldn't do that and he didn't have special effects so we came up with these rounds that would you know hit the zombie and they had chemicals in them and they would basically solidify them you know okay they would solidify their body and they couldn't couldn't move anymore um so <laughs> he would get, he would call me up and he'd go hey i got this cool idea for a line you know he shoots the guy and then that, you know stiffens him up and everything and he says i always knew you were a stiff or something like that and i was <laughs> oh, like my God. no that's terrible um but i guess it kind of went downhill out there on set uh, i didn't go out there It was a shot in colorado okay um so i didn't go out there and uh one of, it was so bad that one of the sag actors that he had coming out there quit
0: oh, like in the wow. middle of the movie
1: it was that bad so instead of calling me and figuring out a way to write out his character he just. Shot it out on his, his own. No, yeah. I mean he shot the guy's death, but it was totally nonsensical, and <laughs> it was hey, Is just, this it on
0: Netflix or anything uh, like that?
1: Like, well, I don't know. Uh, it <clears throat> was on that. Uh, I think it was like a UK network, bloody something, or no, like it was a, some little horror. horror s- yeah, yeah, it was a horror, horror streaming. Horror? No, i well, not streaming at that time. Okay, but it was like a little network. Um, but yeah. Bad, you know? Did bad, you ever see bad. the original? Or just, uh, the full I, thing? I did. He sent me a copy of it. And uh, like it started out and I could just see my, uh, you know, I was sitting on the couch and I just felt like I was sinking farther, and farther <laughs> into the couch <laughs> as it went on. That's cool though. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, he, we he got, got Richard Grieco. I think he paid him. I don't know. Well, maybe I shouldn't even say it, but uh, I was like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. So, you know, you got Richard Grieco coming out there and, Uh, There were people who were supposed to be training on sword work and stuff um, because one person carried a samurai sword. Okay. And no, they did not train. (laughs) Yeah, they couldn't couldn't, couldn't use it. Yeah, it does not look like they know what they're doing. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, that was, yeah, that was an experience. See, that's what I was talking about, long-form fiction versus screenplays. Um, When you hand your fiction story over to someone, there's not a director who's going to just go, well, I'm going to change that scene. Yeah, you know, and and that's just the way screenwriting is. They will change it.
0: We were taught in film school: a movie's made three times, once on the page, once on set, and once in the editing room. Once in the editing room. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, I mean, that's part of the process. But there's also this business is filled with egos. Yeah, yeah. Filled with egos. And, um, you know, I've known a lot of it's known for that. Yeah. And I've known yeah. a lot of screenwriters, um, through being a writer and going yeah. to different functions and stuff and meeting people and just listening to the horror stories of like not being invited to a screening or, you know, so pe- people have to put that in their contract. Hey, I get to go to the screening. Oh yeah. But you're the damn writer. You came up with it. I would right. hope. Right. Exactly. Would. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you know, there are a lot of egos. There are a lot of people who work great. Writer-director combos who have great relationships, but then right. there are other directors who just come in and start gutting the story and doing it themselves. You know, right. I think there's a lot of pretty famous stories about Blood Rain. Okay. Uh, you know. Oh, uh, what uh, was that again? The 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 woman who played the Terminator, um, Christina Is This R A
0: Y N E. Yes, this is like a video game movie. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. This is you. It was.
1: It was. Yeah you've a bowl or how you say his name name. yeah and um i watched oh there's something called tales from the script have you ever watched that dude you have to watch it it's a great documentary on screenwriting and movie making in general okay but they talk about that and and the the person's uh, i forget who's talking about blood rain but they were like yeah eventually the actors took a swing at it uh that you know (laughs) they were just like writing stuff left and right and uh, i don't think that was a positive experience but it's it's really interesting because okay. i think uh i think paul schrader is the one who says that he was talking to uh, francis ford coppola after the i want to see it was after the godfather and uh he jokingly told coppola oh dude you can fail for you know five or ten years now and they won't they won't have anything to say he said no i can fail for 20. Oh, wow. It was basically, you know, because that's the way it goes. You have this enormous hit as a director. Right. And then, you know, if you have a couple of clinkers out there, they still keep giving you projects. Right, right, because right. Because you you finished a movie, it came in, it won a bunch of Oscars, and it was great, and it made money. Right, right. So right. that's just the way it goes. But that Tales from the Script is a very, very good exposure to the writing process in show business. Is it on
0: Netflix or Prime or something?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. You can, you can find it out there. And, um, they, they were talking, there's a story about, uh, man, was it William Goldman? There's a story. It was a, it was a higher end screenwriter and they come into the producer's office and they're like, you know, what is this craziness? I'm hearing that this is being changed and that's changed, you know, um, Oh, well, you know, we're doing it for certain reasons. And he says, uh, were you, did you read the script? And the producer says, or the studio exec says, well, I was exposed to it. <laughs> what, do you, <laughs> exposed what do you mean you were it? exposed to he it? He saw the top page. <laughs> yeah, of it. exactly. That's it. it's so, in the same room as yeah. the script. And he hadn't read it. And I mean, that's just, <laughs> you, you have to know that going in. If you're going to write screenplays, you have to know that going in, that once you sell it, it ain't yours anymore. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. going to change it the way they want to, yeah. and you just go, well, thanks for the paycheck. At least you got yeah. your
0: Hollywood screenwriter at that point, though. I
1: got paid, and yeah. uh, you, you got to go on to the next project. But, uh, yeah, you should check that out. It's okay, a
0: documentary. All right. Is this pretty much it until you retire, or do you want to get more into writing or what?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I would love to uh, you know, publish a book and be able to write full-time. Okay. But this is a great job. You know, I mean, yeah. I love it. I love the thing about coordinating shows is that I get to see every step
0: yeah that's true that's you know true. when i was
1: in the mold shop you just work on whatever they put on your table right i try to go out of my way and go out in the shop and show people pictures right. from set and right 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 because i you know you don't always see that i stuff. don't
0: even see it a lot of the time yeah. i mean uh <laughs> i mean not every time but many times but yeah
1: yeah and that's that's the way it is it's it's compartmentalized and you're in your department and you know yeah. you, you don't get to kind of see it so you know i mean i get to go to meetings i read the scripts and do the breakdowns um watch the designs come in do the sculpting. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. It, Is it fun going to those job. meetings, like with producers and stuff? Do you enjoy that? It can be, um, like on a series, once it gets rolling and everybody's like, you know, halfway through the season, those meetings can kind of be like, oh, it's more, dreary. you know, every, yeah, everybody's in there like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm tired of, yeah. everybody's been working. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. You go in there, you meet the people, everyone's always, of course, super excited about the project. It's brand new and they're trying to get things off the ground. Right. Um, and it's kind of cool to go in there and show people cool stuff that we've made and, Kind of explain the process because nobody right. ever really seems to understand. No, what goes into this? <clears throat> no, uh, you guys can like pull something out of the mold tomorrow, right? No, <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> I wish I could lie about that. Yeah, I wish I could <laughs> tell you we could, but we
0: cannot. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, it's so yeah. I I I think uh, you know as long as I can stay in it anyway. Um, I I love the business. I like working with all the artists. Um, and justin is a great guy to work for yeah yeah you know it's it's a great shop i i feel like this is a really a good environment yeah you know it's yeah. a decent shop environment yeah. not a negative place to be no um so i you know i like it Yeah. it's, it's cool it's fun I all can right definitely see it you know going on maybe even expanding let's not get carried away <laughs> <laughs> all right man thanks for
0: joining <laughs> us man it's been awesome i Oh, you're cool. the first uh, guest we've ever had that we just know, you know, that was like in the service and doing something else first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, I know you probably wanted to talk more about effects stuff oh, more I than agree. the other stuff, but either, right? uh, I, I wanted to kind of go in that because it was different for our podcast. So yeah, you know, thought that'd be pretty
1: cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely a a different lifestyle change for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because you're, you're in that sort of conservative-minded group of people and then you come out here into the most liberal-minded group of people (laughs) that you can you know you can think to meet so yeah but you know it was pretty cool i I think it benefited me in the long run i
0: thought about asking you about politics and stuff but maybe we'll just leave that uh, yeah uh, off the air oh dear lord
1: (laughs) you and i probably think the same on that so yeah yeah, it'd just be a bitch session (laughs) yeah 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 maybe uh yeah we'll
0: uh Leave it apolitical, super house. We'll visit that later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for thanks for joining. Well, thanks for our, having me on. This yeah. was fun. Yeah. Cool. Always man. good. All right. All right. This is Andrew signing off. Thank you.